to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And tonight, we're going to do part two of the core values of Jesus. And just as a quick way of reminder, um, kind of our main idea last time was what you think about God and what you think he thinks about you will shape the way you live your life. And in that, we talked about the nature of God and the fact that we are made in his image and likeness and that his identity actually shapes his activity. And if that's true about God and us being made in his image and likeness, then that would also be true of us. So we talked about finding our source of our identity in him and who he is. The second thing is we talked about the power of leaven and we looked at Matthew 16, 5 through 12. And what we discovered is that leaven is teaching, at least in this context. And then we define teaching as words, ideas, concepts, and paradigms that ultimately either aid our perspective of God or challenge our perspective of God in an unhealthy way. And sometimes the fruit of that false paradigm can be anxiety, fear, insecurity, isolation. And ultimately, whatever the meditations of our heart can overflow in our words, and that becomes leaven in a conversation. And that can, again, aid someone else's understanding of God or it can harm someone's understanding of God. So the final piece of this kind of foundation of identity, leaven, and leaven that I wanted to talk about is this idea of an unoffendable heart. Now, I want to just create some clarity here. When I say that God is unoffendable, what I don't mean is that he doesn't grieve over sin. But we've got to understand the nature of grief. Grief is born from sadness, not from anger. So for God to grieve over sin means God is saddened because he doesn't like the destructive result of what sin does both inside someone and then through someone into their relationships because ultimately God loves people and he wants them to be whole. He wants them to be fulfilled and he doesn't want the destructive nature of sin to wreak havoc on any of them. So is he grieved over sin? Yes, but not because he's personally peeved, but because he loves people. He loves humanity. And so So when we say God has an unoffendable heart, here's why that's important. Because God is not going to reject people even in the midst of their sin. He will not reject you. That doesn't mean he doesn't correct us. That doesn't mean he doesn't try to set us right and help us see clearly. But when Jesus pronounced on the cross in Luke 23, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He released the eternal word of forgiveness to liberate humanity from the bonds of sin so that they could wake up to the reality of who they really are and who God intended them to be by the grace of God. So if the nature of God is to be unoffendable, then here's the good news. Because of our identity in Christ, we now share that nature. We are men and women who are unoffendable. Now, I know we don't always feel unoffendable. I know things get under our skin. They ruffle our feathers. But when that happens, we don't need to now create a new identity around our offense, we need to remember or walk back into this is who God is. From that place of of being crucified, Jesus released forgiveness. And from that heartbeat, I'm now going to release this person from the offense they just gave me. They just gave to me. Now that may not immediately change my emotions, but as I 
continually align my heart and mind with that reality, which is the truth, whether you feel it or not, that you are, because of Jesus, unoffendable and able to forgive, then your emotions will come into alignment. It may not happen overnight. It may take time. There may be a process to that of continually coming into a place of rest around that truth, but I promise you it will come into um into a sense of action where you really can release people and move on and really hope for the best for them uh, without any sense of uh, guilt, shame, uh, or embarrassment over what someone may have handed you. So this foundation includes being unoffendable. Now let me take it, let me take another angle at it. It's not just being unoffendable with people. It's actually being unoffendable in your own relationship with God. Because sometimes God will give us difficult words that at times, we, if we're not rooted in this truth that we have an unoffendable heart, we can think God is being mean and harsh. And sometimes God's just shaking our paradigm to actually set us free. Because you see, God will say things at times that he himself does not believe. Let me give you an example. Matthew 19, the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus. He says, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, obey the commands. He says, all these I've done. Then Jesus says, fine, then sell everything you have and give it to the poor. In other words, okay, now you can buy your way in because you have a lot of money. So give it all away and you will buy your way into eternal life. Now, nobody who's a believer thinks that you can buy your salvation. But in effect, that is what Jesus was getting at, that if this guy would part with his money, that that action would qualify him for heaven. Now, that is not what Jesus believes. But here's what Jesus knew. He knew when he saw this young man that he was full of self-righteousness. In other words, he this young man thought that by his own efforts, his own works, he could merit favor with God and qualify for eternal life based on who himself instead of God himself. <laughs> so in that, Jesus... D- Knowing that, what he decides to do is to push the bar so high to get this guy to come to the end of himself and realize, I can't do it. I need a Savior. And then guess what? The Savior is literally standing right there in front of him. And Jesus, I would imagine, would have loved to have mercy on him to bring him uh, along as a disciple. But... What happened? The young man did not allow his paradigm to be changed. See, he thought it was still up to him. So when he realized he couldn't do it, instead of falling on his knees and 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 making the declaration, I need mercy, he walked away sadly because he thought, I'm not there, therefore I can't qualify. See, God in Jesus was not afraid to push his buttons to set him free. The point was not to get him offended that he would walk away. The point was to bring him to the end of himself so that he could ultimately be set free and rest in the sovereignty and the power and the goodness of God. And I believe could have uh, experienced the same level of intimacy that he invited the original disciples to because he said, then come follow me. But the reason I use this as an example is because there are times where God will say things to us through his word, through other people, or by that still small voice that pushes our buttons. And if we aren't 
anchored in the goodness of God, the the favor of God, realizing how much God likes us and cares about us, then we can get offended and begin to pretend as if we're pushing away from God. Now, ultimately, you can't push away from someone who takes up all the space. But in our experience and in our in, in, in the tangible relationship that we have with God, we can begin to experience a different, a, a distance. So I'm, so I want to create understanding for you in this light. When God gives you a word that seems hard, I promise you it's not a hard word. But what he's trying to do is to teach you to come up higher and see it from a higher level. So that you can see things from divine perspective. And oftentimes when two seemingly opposite truths are butting up against one another, what God's wanting to do is take you higher to see that those act- those truths actually wed together perfectly in Him. And so do not allow offense to creep in, in your mindset, in your identity, to think that God is against you or He's trying to put His finger in your back. He's not that way, but he will say things to challenge your paradigm so that he can take you higher in your understanding of who he is. So an unoffendable heart from this, from for this teaching is two-pronged. Number one, you have an unoffendable heart with people. And because of what Jesus did on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them, now you are rooted in that same identity and you can release forgiveness to any person that has harmed you by the grace of God. And number two, you can be unoffendable offendable in your relationship with God when he gives you word that doesn't make sense to your rational mind and realize that he's actually drawing you up higher to see things from a higher perspective. And that will allow you to continue to grow and develop in God, which is good news for everyone. Okay. So let's get into a couple of the core values or core beliefs of Jesus. And and again, this is not an exhaustive list, um, but I want to make note not just of what Jesus thought about, but how he thought. Not just the content, but the framework. And hopefully what this does is send you on your own journey of discovery to, to read through the scriptures and see the nature and character of Jesus and how he thought about God and man uh, so that you can begin to adopt his paradigms because his way of thinking about relationship with God and relationship with people on the earth is revolutionary. So we're going to start in John chapter 5, verse 16 through 19. Here we go. It says this, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at work. To this very day I too am working. For this reason the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The son of man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because here's two key core values, core beliefs of Jesus, because the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Sorry, let me read that again. Uh, He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does for. Here we go. This is what I was going for. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Core value number one in this list (laughs) is Jesus believed the Father loved him. 
He knew in the depths of his soul that he was absolutely 100% loved, accepted, cared for by the Father. Number two, he believed the Father was showing him what he was doing. He didn't believe he had to run around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to figure out what God the Father was doing. Now, John chapter 6 actually gives us a little more insight into, I believe, the practicality of how this played itself out. How did Jesus know what the Father was doing? Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Who sent the Father who the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. How did Jesus know what the Father was doing? Because the Father brought the right people at the right time right into his path. It's like what we read in Psalm, I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will bring people into that path that he has designed for you to serve or to have an impact with. I have found God to be faithful to do this. When you don't know what to do, it's just learning to love the person in front of you. And loving the person in front of you can take a a myriad of different expressions. It could be listening. It could be smiling. It could be giving a pat on the back. It could be a sharing an encouraging word. It could be helping financially. It could be helping with a ride. It could be lots of different expressions of love and service, but ultimately, when we treat people in front of us uh, with kindness, that God can move through that in ways that we wouldn't fathom on the front end of that. So, how did Jesus know that the Father was showing him all he does? Because he knew that the Father was drawing people to Jesus. I love what John 14 says, Jesus, this is good news for us. So this is a core value we can adopt. He says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of everything Jesus said. So that is that is a, a core belief we can wrap our hearts around that Jesus promised to give us, that the Holy Spirit is going to remind us. I even wonder if the Holy Spirit reminded Jesus of what the Father had said. Jesus would hear the Father, and I wonder if the Holy Spirit would remind him of what the Father had said in those moments of challenge and difficulty when he was resistant on every side. Okay, let's look at some some of the core values of Jesus related to relationship with people. We're going to go to John chapter 7. We're going to read verses 12 and 13, and then I'm going to read John 10, 20. So John chapter 7, verse 12 and 13. This is real short, but just listen to this. Among the crowds, there were widespread there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he is a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for the fear of the Jews. And then chapter 10, verse 20 says, many of them, he's talking about the Jews, said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Okay, now you may think, how in the world is that a core value of Jesus? Here, here's, here's what I mean. Here was... Here was the accusations flying around about Jesus. Um, he's a deceiver. Uh, they went as far as to say he's demon-possessed. Okay, think about this, guys. Jesus, who is the truth, was accused of being deceptive. Jesus, who is God, was accused of having a demon. Let that sink in. Jesus, who is the truth, 
was accused of being a deceiver. And Jesus, who is God, was accused of having a demon. So it doesn't matter what any human being says to you. You do not need to find your value in what other people's opinions are of you. Jesus didn't care what people thought about himself, and he didn't defend himself. He didn't run around saying, I don't have a demon. I'm not a deceiver. He trusted the Father, and he trusted the, uh, his words, and he trusted the Spirit to actually work on his behalf, to be his defender, to reveal who he really was. He didn't try to... to to push it forward in his own, for his own benefit. So what can we learn from that? Jesus had a core value where he didn't let people define who he was. He let the Father. Now, Jesus obviously didn't sin. We can sin. I'm not saying God doesn't correct us because he does. I'm not saying we can't hear corrective words from other people because we can't. But I'm saying we do not need to let accusations, lies, etc. become the basis of our identity and of our value to where we onboard those thoughts and we begin to meditate on what we're not, what we can't do, etc., etc. We need to learn how to push those things aside, remember who Jesus says we are by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and let the Word of God begin to shape our perspective because the Word of God is the truth of God, and that truth of God liberates and sets us free to be the real us. Isaiah 53, let me turn here real quick has a good thought that I think could be a core value of Jesus. Isaiah 53, verse 2 and 3 says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Stop right there. In other words, a core value of Jesus is he didn't allow his externals to determine how valuable he was. He was he didn't use his externals, his gifts, his looks, his charisma to be fruitful. He used his internal life with the Father as his source for fruitfulness in his earthly life. So in the same way, we don't have to be discouraged if we don't feel as gifted or someone else or as charismatic as someone else, but we can realize that that same abiding presence of Father, Son, and Spirit because of Jesus dwells in us and we have we are plugged into the same source of fruitfulness that Jesus himself was plugged into by his doing and we can bear much fruit. It doesn't matter if we have lots of gifts or no gifts. Jesus isn't very partial. He, he works through all kinds of vessels at all times, and we can be secure that it's his life and power that really matters, not necessarily the external gift. That's not to neglect and say it's wrong to be gifted or it's wrong to use those gifts, but ultimately we don't drive, derive our value from them. We derive our value from Jesus, ultimately. And the final thing that I wanted to highlight is Matthew 4. Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. A core value of Jesus is, again, he found his value in what God said, not just in what every other voice said. 
He found his value in every word that would proceed from the mouth of, uh, mouth of God. He found his life in the Father's voice. The Father's affirmation was the only voice of affirmation he was looking for. So he was secure when all hell came against him. He was secure when his own followers deserted him. He was secure in his moments of deepest challenge. Why? Because he did not live for accolades. He did not live for pats on the back. He lived by the grace of God. He lived by the the affirming voice of the Father. Therefore, he was able to withstand any storm that came his way. So a few final thoughts to kind of wrap up this two-part series here. Um, first final thought, uh, knowing the scriptures ultimately is what will help you recognize the voice of God. Let me be clear. The scriptures are not God in that we don't worship a book, but the scriptures reveal God. They show us what he's really like. And the Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God so that we can see with clarity. And he empowers us uh, to by desire to do the things that God reveals in the scriptures. But the reason I say that is because if you only rely on that intuitive voice of God or that still small voice, that's not wrong, that's not bad, that's a good thing. God does speak that way. But if if that if we over rely on that, then sometimes we can emphasize what we feel versus consistently having our minds renewed by the Word of God, by the uh, through His Spirit, and by the grace of God. Uh, to expand our identity, to hear from the whole counsel of Scripture, from a posture of rest and grace. We can draw from every part of the Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Yes, we're not in the Old Covenant, but the Old Testament does have a lot of valid revelation of the nature and character of God. And it can be interpreted through the lens of Christ and Him, uh, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That, that Jesus is the ultimate text, and He can be found throughout the Old Testament. And we can still get um, glimpses into the nature and character of God throughout the Old Testament that carry forward into the New Testament. Yes, the 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 law it does not make us righteous before God, but the law reveals God. It's the fact that the law says don't murder means that that's who God is. He is not a murderer. He does not want to to destroy life. He wants to uh, see. He wants to see human life flourish. So the more we're rooted in the scriptures, the more we can recognize the voice of God and be led by that intuitive uh, sense of God's voice because the word of God has built those tracks so that the train goes in the right direction. So that's just a thought about how we continue to grow in our core values and our core beliefs is allowing the word of God to renew our mind day by day, um, which is good news. Uh, another thing about the scriptures is we get to come to the scriptures as infants and not as experts. In the book of Matthew, the 11th chapter, I think it's verse 20. Let me see here. Verse 25, Jesus says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Now, what's interesting is that phrase, wise and learned, literally means expert, and the word little children means untrained and unlearned. There's something about when we come to the scriptures not assuming we know what they mean, even if we've read that passage a hundred times, that the Holy Spirit then can give us fresh revelation. 
versus when we come and we say, yeah, 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 I know what this means, and we're no longer open to receive new uh, revelation from the Holy Spirit on that passage that is that ultimately will be congruent with the whole counsel of Scripture. So I want to just encourage you to, as you come to the Word of God, to grow in your recognition of the voice of God, to come as an infant, not to come as an expert. Because when we come thinking we already know what it's saying or we're overly familiar, then we can miss out on fresh revelation. And that's not because God's holding out. That's because we have a a blinder on and we can't see very well. So hopefully this two-part series was helpful going through some of the core values of Jesus, laying a foundation of the nature and character of God, that who God is manifests in what God does, the power of leaven, and that what we meditate on is we meditate on things that are in, uh, that are congruent and in alignment with the nature of God, that they become an influence around the relationships that we have. Um, that we have an unoffendable heart, and that, that comes in two parts. Two aspects. Number one, it comes that we are unoffendable with uh, our relationships with people, that there is power within us because of the grace of God to forgive anyone at any time for anything done. And number two, that we can be unoffendable in our relationship with God and that when we get a word from God that seems to be contrary to our understanding of God, that it is an invitation to see from a higher perspective, that he's ultimately sometimes pushing a button in order to set us free, not in order to condemn us. We looked at some of the core values of Jesus, that he was loved by the Father. He believed that, that he believed the Father was showing him all he does, that he would know what the Father was doing because the Father would draw people into his path, that even when people would accuse him, whether it was being a deceiver or it was being a demon-possessed, that Jesus did not own these accusations from other people, that he didn't rely on his external gifts or his external appearance or charisma, but that he relied on every word that proceeded from the mouth of the Father. And then we, we wrapped it up by just saying that the scriptures are the best way to know the voice of God. It allows us to really flow with that intuitive sense of his voice, the more revelation the Holy Spirit unpacks from the scriptures, and that we get to come to the scriptures as infants and not as experts. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will conclude this episode. Jesus, thank you for your presence and your power. We just agree that every single one of us are growing in our desire to read the scriptures, to hear your voice through your word, through your people, and by your still small voice, by the grace of God. Father, I thank you that we are unoffendable people, that we do not harbor offense, but we forgive with joy. And Father, that even when you give us a word that we don't understand, God, that we know that ultimately your goodness And your kindness is what leads us to change. And so we trust you to walk us through that process. And Father, I just thank you for a fresh desire to be in your word, to experience revelation by the Holy Spirit that would literally transform our thinking, that we could be men and women who have an impact in the spheres of influence that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes, and iTunes will suggest this podcast to others. Thanks, everyone, and take care. (music) 